hesitate normal comedians used to find their voice but I've been given a voice and a style so a lot of the groundwork was done for me anyway. For ages I thought I can't be a comedian because I speak so slowly everyone will get to the punchline before me. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out Mopad. how to do life. Mopad. But it turns out Mopad. nobody knows I'm talking to you from my flat, which today has been completely, completely rearranged. All the furniture is in very different places than uh, it was this morning because of my OCD. And you know what one of the worst things about having OCD is? I think one of the worst things is people angrily saying to you to not be flippant about using the word OCD when you don't have OCD which really sucks to hear when you have OCD. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, oh, no, if if I don't put my um, my bookcase at the other end of the room, I will die and everything bad is going to happen. So <laughs> I do think that is the very definition of OCD, <laughs> of having to buy so much pasta, because if I run out, everything's going to just fall apart. I have so much pasta because my brain is like, buy, buy more pasta, you might run out. Buy more pasta. What if you run out? And there's never any answer to this what if. It's always what if. You know, it's always what if you run out of pasta? It's never, it doesn't give me an answer because the answer is so what? Nothing happens. <laughs> Nothing bad happens if you run out of pasta. You'll be fine. I have rice. It's fine. You can buy more pasta when you need pasta. You can, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, even now, I can't, I can't even say that without my brain being like, no! Just like screaming. Anyways, I don't know if you can hear it in the background. My um, neighbor is uh, vacuuming. Uh, so that's the sound in the background. <laughs> Which, you know what? She could come in here and um, do my floor because it's full of having moved all my furniture around dust. So I'm postponing doing the cleaning to talk to you about this episode, which is with the incredible Rosie Jones. Oh my God. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Rosie Jones, <laughs> despite her being such a massive prick. She's the funniest person. She's just so funny. I, I mean, I'm, I was gonna just give you a bunch of examples, but you can you can hear it in, on the on the podcast, and you can go. I'm sure she's all over. I've not even I haven't checked actually, but I'm pretty sure there's YouTube videos of her, and you could just go and see her live. She's working on her new show at the moment, and she's just. Oh, she's a delight, an absolute delight, <laughs> an absolute prick and an absolute delight. And I love her so much. And uh, yeah, I, I'm so excited about this episode. And uh, so what usually happens is after the main chunk of the chat with the guest, the, the, the episode that you are hearing, 
I uh, turn off the recorder, save the file, and then I do a new one where I ask the guest the same six questions each time. And it's, do you have a life hack? Do you have a recommendation? What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? What's the stupidest thing you did as a teenager? What's an unpopular opinion of yours? And what do you wish people knew about you? And every single time I'm like, whoa, this is so good. <laughs> like, this is so interesting. And then I put that up on the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D. And um, so, so that's for the people who support the, the podcast financially, get that extra little snippet with the guest. And I'm telling you this because I didn't manage to get one with Rosie because we talked for so long, we ran out of time on the main episode. But we will do a part two, hopefully in Edinburgh, uh, where we are going in August for the Fringe Festival. I'm doing my new show, she's doing hers. Uh, We clash, so you know, if you have to choose, choose me, obviously me, choose me. Uh, (laughs) But if you have two days up there, choose Rosie as your second priority, obvs. Yeah, so we're going to do a part two, and then I, I will get those extra six questions out of her and put them on Patreon. I promise you that. Now... But for the main chunk of the episode, uh, the, of, the, of Rosie, the main ch- the, for the main chunk of Rosie, uh, I hope you will, I really hope you can't hear my uh, neighbor vigorously vacuuming. I mean, to be fair, you've, you've heard worse. You've heard worse on this podcast. So I will just allow you now, allow you, look at that. I will allow you to uh, listen to this episode uh, with Rosie Jones, as soon as I've just told you, by the way, I've written a book, it's called Happy Fat, buy it. And also I'm going to Edinburgh with my new show, The Bum Swing, and sign up for my newsletter and buy my shows on my website. And now, please enjoy this uh, chat I had with the absolutely incredible, wonderful pieces of shit. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, do enjoy my chat with Rosie Jones. <laughs> people who might not know who you are, the very few people who might not know who you are, do you want to just give a quick introduction? Yeah. Hello, I'm Rosie. I'm a comedian, writer, actor, and anything else you want to pay me for, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> and we were just, I asked you to shut up before we recorded because yes. you began to say... Uh, it's just really good thing. So we're talking about how you're only three three years into comedy. Yeah, yeah. I started in um, probably like August 2016. So then then it's crazy now, but in August. 2017, so I've barely been going a year. I took up a 40-minute show to Edinburgh, and it was the first time I'd ever gone to Edinburgh. So I was a, a kid in a sweet shop. I was a... Oh my God, I can drink every day. Oh my God, there's so many comedians that I admire. And I 
had a great year, but I had an awful year because I, I've always had the odd smoke when I get drunk and one of those annoying people. But there I became a chain smoker. I drank every day. I got a cold on day three and oh. I never shook it off. Oh. Um, and by, by the end of it, all my friends were like, Rosie, I love you, but you look terrible. <laughs> so, but... That was like a baptism of fire for me. So then when I did my first hour last year, I was like, right, I'm going to do it properly. I had like one drink, but never got drunk. I had that every day which were incredible that's such good advice so good and nothing mattered but my hour show and because of that even in week three i was doing a show that i loved and it was a joy to perform. Now, there will be people listening who don't really know much about like the comedy industry. And, yeah. And I did my first show, I think, when I was five. Yeah, I was five years in. Yeah. And I think that's kind of normal. There are yeah. people who take yeah. way longer than that. So yeah. you'd usually go up. And I guess the first thing you do is to do one of those mixed bill shows. Yeah. You do like yeah. a 15 minute well, set, and then you hey. might do half an hour, then yeah. you might do 40, yeah. and then you do your yeah. hour. Yeah. So you're, and your show was, I, I didn't see it, but I heard it was amazing. Oh, like everyone loved well, your show. Yeah, yeah, it's still a show that I'm really proud of. And yeah, it's all happened very quickly for me and I'm gonna be so honest here um that did worry me in the beginning and for ages and you I wanted to start stand-up comedy but I put it off for about two years and my friends were like you haven't even performed once what are you doing give it a go and I can't say this without sounding like them the most big headed prick in the world but I said to a close friend I'm scared of starting because I know when I start I'm gonna be big that's amazing no that's good 
That makes me sound awful, but my my thought behind that was I've always been a hard worker, I've always been a perfectionist and before comedy I worked in the TV world so I knew the comedy world already and I knew it was lacking a voice like mine so I knew that the moment I started comedy in my TV brain, I was like, people will want me. Um, they want me to be good. Um, so I spent a long time before I even stood on a stage writing and writing and I think this is also unusual I think it takes normal comedians years to find their voice but I've been given a voice and a style so a lot of the groundwork was done for me anyway. What do you mean by that? Um, so for ages I thought I can't be a comedian because I speak so slowly everyone will get to the punchline before me and that's boring um, but then one of my favourite comedians is a Canadian woman called Tignataro mm. and I adore her if you don't know her look her up um, and her style is very slow and drawn out even though she's able-bodied she has chosen to speak slowly so as an audience member you're hanging off every word and I watched her and I thought I can't help speaking slowly um, in some aspects of my life that's a disadvantage but in comedy I can turn that around and use it to my advantage so I don't know how like Tig found that voice or that style but I'm guessing it took a few years whereas for me I didn't have any other option I just needed to use 
wore a hat. And you said you've always used comedy in your life. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just. I'm so jealous. It's just it's so good. <laughs> you're so good. You're so, you're so. I don't know anyone. I don't know many comedians who have that amount of self. Not just self insight, but like nerdy knowledge about yeah. comedy. You know, like I think yeah. a lot of a lot of comedians just kind of bumble through it as if it's like a yeah. Let's see what works. Um, but it seems like you really like you really yeah yeah right. a real passion, not mine, and I think because. I worked in TV comedy before, I already knew that world. I can remember coming to see you long before I started. Really? Yeah. And yet, yeah. never had a show in TV, no. so were you also the person um not giving me no, a TV I show? Was. Okay, well this is over. No. This is it. Goodbye, goodbye, Rosie. <laughs> no, I, I worked in TV, but I was a researcher, so I was low, low <laughs> down. Now, in my new comedy role, some comedians look at me and they're like, do, do I know you? Yeah. And the one who probably gave you a cup of tea five <laughs> years ago. That's amazing. Um, so sorry, I skipped over my own yeah, question. You said before we uh, started that you've one of your other yes. advantages was that you've always yes. used comedy. Yeah, so I think because of my cerebral palsy, People have always underestimated me and they've always patronised me and I found that quite early on I needed a way to let them know that I'm intelligent. Like, just because I speak slow doesn't mean my brain is slow. And um, I found early on that a way to do that quickly is to make someone laugh because you can see the light go in their eyes it's a laughing they're like oh she switched on she knows what she's talking about so whenever i was at work or in the pub i would always be the one holding court and making people laugh because I knew I could do that and a lot of my friends were like you should do that but I always had doubts I was like oh no uh, because of how I speak, uh, I was like, oh no, 
body will understand me and my friends were like, yeah, they will, because <laughs> we do. So I never remember him saying, like, there will never be someone like me on TV or the radio or podcasts. I can't do podcasts. But then I think I got older, I got to 26 and I became more confident in who I was and I thought, well, if nobody understands me, I won't do it, but I think I'll kick myself if I don't try. When did you start using comedy then? Was there a, was there a moment when you... I mean, because I imagine if, if people have always... I mean, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because when you're a child, of course, yeah. people will always be condescending yeah. to your child, so yeah. fair enough. Yeah. But then there must be a time when you realise that, oh, they... they Am I wrong? Like, they keep doing it. Or yeah. Was there a time when you had this realisation that, wait a minute, this isn't how... This, they're talking to me as if I'm not intelligent. Yeah. And did you then... Did you know, like, I'm just... Like, the yeah. timeline. I don't know. Um, it sounds weird for me to say, but I don't think I was... Ever like a traditional child, <laughs> people my age bored me. Uh, my mum was like, do you want to see your friends this weekend? And I'd be like, no, you're going for dinner with your friends. I want to come and hang out with you. And it was situations like that where even as a nine, ten year old, I would be on a table with six adults making them laugh. So, I think I've always been aware of that and all, but using humour to diffuse awkward situations, I feel came to me at uni when I was meeting new people my age because I basically went to school with the same people from 4 to 18. So there was never a point where I had to let them know because they were like, oh, it's Rosie, she's absolutely fine. But yeah, at uni, yeah, I felt like I was in a world where I didn't know anyone, and that is where I 
found my voice. Not as a comedian, but more as a person. Because I think during school I was quite studious and believe it or not, quite shy <laughs> and quite reserved. Because I think I was nervous that people would look at me too much. Mm. But it was at uni where I was like, oh, I quite like it when people look at me. And I think it was during that time I really embraced my loudness and just I think I'm pretty much like a um, bull in a china shop in all senses of the world, what I like burst into a room and loud. People might find me annoying, but yeah, it got to uni where I was like, oh, I am annoying, I am loud. <laughs> but actually, I'm happy it's when I'm myself. I was it was one of my it was one of my questions I wanted to ask you which kind of made me laugh thinking about it because mm -hmm. I knew how it was going to sound because <laughs> I wanted to say because I've heard you on a on a few podcasts yeah. and, and and I've met you yeah and I wanted to ask you <laughs> if you had shame but then it sounded like I was going to say do you have no shame <laughs> but what I thought yeah. was you, just, you do seem to kind of yeah. not give a shit no and just not and, and then yeah. I, I didn't change it to doubt if you have doubt or if you Like all of these kind of, oh, what's the word for that? Like, you know, all these kind of heavy yeah. feelings that usually make a lot of people step yeah. back a bit. Yeah, hide. yeah. What, what's your relationship with those, you know, those shame, guilt, embarrassment um, feelings? So right now, um, I'm 28 and 29 in two weeks. And I think I'm very happy in who I am and yeah I think you're right I had no shame because I I'm aware that I walk down the street and people look at me people laugh at me um, which still happens especially if I'm alone and that's why when I'm out and about I always wear headphones so that I can't hear what people say to me. Um, so because I'm aware that people Some people think negative things about me. I don't give a shit because I'm like, fine, you might 
think that walk is funny. You might want to call me a retard or a smash, but I know I'm loved and I know I've got such a great family, such an amazing group of friends. I'm lucky enough to do a job that I adore, so I'm a bit like, why should I take your negative energy on? Because then I'll think about, then I'll think about them going home and they're proud that they called a random woman a retard like they pleased that they got their phones out and took a video now that that all comes from a, a angry and a sad place within them and I'm not willing to take that on. So I think you're right. I got no no shame because I'm confident in who I am and where I'm going. I'm so yeah, I'm I'm this exactly the same, both yeah. with the headphones but also yeah. with um I I always imagine in my head what how it would feel for me to go up to someone and say something like that and yeah. even thinking about even imagining it would make me oh, feel so awful and then i imagine no. imagine being so sad yeah. that doing that would make yeah. you happy you must yeah. be so low no. and you, i'm always imagining this like happy family father of two yeah. and you yeah. know, he's like he, you yeah. know he's kisses his yeah. wife and no. loves his children and he's doing great at his job he would never just go out in the street and be like hey fuck you yeah and i so these people must be so yeah. broken. Yeah, yeah. And it almost makes me, you know, like what people will see yeah. is a man abusing someone, a stranger. Yeah. But what's actually happening is a man saying, I'm really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, that's really. how it looks. And then yeah. this other person being like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to hear yeah. that, mate. Sorry. Um, the only time it does upset me is when I'm with friends mm. and that upsets me because they get upset because um, if I'm on my own I'm like whatever but just seeing someone I love get upset on behalf of me and there's only so many times that I can say, don't worry, mm -hmm. I'm not bothered. Um, so yeah, it upsets me when other people get an insight of mm. what happens. I'm, again, exactly, the only time I've cried over anything. Yeah was when I was with two friends and I saw them get really sad and I was just like 
And then they saw me crying and I was like, yeah. It's not no. because of that. It's not because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine yeah. with this. I'm fine. Just leave me yeah. alone and I'm fine. Yeah. But do you think that's because in my head I was always like um I f- I always felt like I should be happy that they saw because I feel like there's so many people who don't know what it's like being mm. fat, who don't know what it's like, yeah. what kind of reality yeah. you live in. Yeah. So I feel like I, maybe I shouldn't be sad when they see it. I should yeah. be happy that they finally realize it. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to feel yeah. that. But, yeah. You know, I yeah. do also see that they change their, mm. their, the way they live and the way they speak and the way they think about fatness from yeah. seeing it. Yeah. But, which is, I guess is good, but it just feels, you just kind of want to go, oh, this is yeah. really, it's actually quite bad, this, so you don't want to, <laughs> yeah, it's you don't want to know. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I, um, I recently gigged for a month in Melbourne, mm. and unfortunately I had two bad instruments with people. One was a flyer advertising for my show. I went up to him and he uh, burst out laughing at my voice and said, right, quit that voice now, it's stupid. and they wouldn't stop. And then, as soon as they clicked that I was disabled, they burst out laughing. And was like, oh, sorry, I laugh when I'm nervous. And I was like, mate, that is not an excuse. And another was a fellow comedian who followed me on a, on a line up and was dying, doing really badly. And so then was out flailing around and started mock me um, saying oh she's not really disabled like just basically he was going down and they tried to pull me down with him which is like no go for any comedian so they two instances if I had happened in London, I'd be like, fine, I'll just take it on. I won't worry anyone. But because I was halfway around the world, and it was like three weeks in, I was feeling homesick. Feeling vulnerable, I am told my producers and I dealt with that both instances so well. And um, yeah, the flyer was 
moved on and I made him a child. <laughs> Don't do that. And they dealt with it so well, but I actually felt apologetic because they were so devastated that it had happened on their watch and I felt like going, oh no, this isn't Melbourne Comedy Festival. This is my life. Like, and I felt, I said to them, I'm so sorry I've seen into my world for like two weeks and um, it's interesting because if you meet me, I am so positive and so optimistic and so happy and that isn't an act but then I also deal with this shit and I feel guilty when people can see what I deal with and I kept saying I'm so sorry and they were like no <laughs> stop it so yeah I'm in my new show this year, I'm in Edinburgh, I'm trying to be a bit more honest and say, look, these things do happen, but it's, I'm finding it tricky at the moment to be honest, but then not lose lose audience. Yeah, I feel like maybe part of it is acknowledging that there will probably be a moment of losing them. Yeah. And then it's more about figuring out how to... Because I think it's okay for them to feel uncomfortable with it. Yeah. They need to feel a bit uncomfortable with it. You can't both be like, this is reality, but it's okay. Yeah. This is the thing that happened, but fine, it's fine, it's fine. fine. Go Yeah, the whole point, I think, is also to make sure that people hear this and understand. Because I think think often what people will do is they'll sort of focus on you and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And that's when when you go, no, 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 this doesn't. Because what they're basically doing is making you deal with their emotions. Yeah, yeah. What they should be doing is is go, oh, is there anything... Am I doing anything? Or That's is, it. You know, the yeah. next time you're in a group of yeah. people and someone makes a joke, uh, an ableist yeah. joke or something, yeah. they can go, oh, uh, actually. Yeah. Because it's all yeah. bred from somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Another, you know, there can be like friendly, I'm doing it in what's it called, F quotes, but they would be like friendly, haha, oh, I'm just being ironic or I'm just joking. But then it's not that far from that to someone shouting at someone in the street, no. right? So I'd much rather have people go, you okay? Good. Yeah. Now. And then take it into their lives. Yeah. And then try and fix it like that. Because yeah. it doesn't help to be like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. I don't want that 
no, I don't think I don't think anyone who lives like that would like no. want, likes pity or likes yeah. you know that sort of what's the, yeah yeah pity I guess is the word isn't it Yeah, because I spend my life going don't worry and great and so happy, but I think you should be aware that this mm. happens. Yeah, and what. Yeah, and but maybe that's because what what you do so well is you you do also have this dickhead act. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if that's yeah. an act. <laughs> maybe you are a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> I think the funniest thing in the whole world is the Nishkuma. Oh friend. yeah, is that something you're using in your show? Or can you tell people? No, what it is? no, it's so um, I'm really good friends from this, and I think it started in Edinburgh last year. I um, I just had a dickhead moment, and we were in a crowded street, and he was getting recognised, and I thought, how can I bring him down <laughs> and I just fell right on the floor, flailed about and said, help, help the man from the match report knock me over. <laughs> and this was mortified and people took pictures <laughs> and since then it's got bigger and bigger I love it now because all comedians are in on the joke so uh, uh, Every time me and Nish are in the same room together, I, I fall over and every time Nish is like, don't you dare get up here, Peter shit, get, we're not doing this again. And, but comedians get around and go, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it happen in real life. <laughs> and I join in, I look shocked. It will never ever get old. <laughs> never. Oh, it's so funny. Well, I'm gonna ask you one of the questions that um I always ask in the podcast, which is this: What question would you most want for me to ask you? So this can either be maybe you've already had some thoughts about what I might ask you, so maybe you've already yeah. thought about some things, yeah. or maybe there's just like maybe every time you do any kind of interview, you're like. Oh, stop talking about this thing, but yeah. I want to talk about this thing. You maybe yeah. have like, something happening in your head at the moment, in your life, where you're like, I really want to talk about um, this thing. And try it. And know what answer I want to give 
But I don't know how to word the question. Well, then the question could be, what answer is it that you want to give? <laughs> That's so why I'm going to try and word it. Um, why? Sorry. Um... I've got so many things going round in my head. Um, do you want to let it? Do you want me to ask you something else? And then you can no, come back to it. Or do, no, are you about to get it? Maybe. Um, do you care what people think of you? Yes, too much. Really? I think right now I'm at a point where I'm dealing with a lot of guilt. <laughs> I don't feel guilty all the time because, like we were saying, I... I've gone from being nobody to being somebody in pretty much a year. And that scares the shit out of me because I'm not a normal comedian. Having a disability and I think I'm wrong, but I can't help feeling like I got all disabled people on my shoulders <laughs> because you don't get a lot of disabled people in comedy or TV. So for me growing up, there was nobody that I could turn on the telly and say, oh, she's like me. Oh, it'll be okay, because she's okay. And it's that thing of, I want to be that person, but that is, and very hard thing to put on my shoulders. And it means that if I ever get negative comments on social media, I'm like, oh, no, I'm doing it wrong. Like, I want to be loved by everyone. And then slowly finding out that I'm not. <laughs> um, but my friend said a perfect quote to me and said, you will never be everyone's cup of tea because 
then you'd be a mug. And that is perfect. Uh, but I do feel guilty that I'm not like, I'm not able to speak for all disabled people, which is so stupid. No, it's stupid, but it's, it's like, I mean, the, it's real, the pressure is real, you know, because, yeah. you know, the, you know it's, I think it's worth acknowledging that there will be a lot of people thinking, oh, God, I really hope she's going to say exactly that thing that I want yeah. to say. But it's yeah. also just impossible, you know. No. It's, it's the same as being loved by everyone. It's just absolutely yeah. impossible. It's yeah. not something you can ever aim to do. Yeah. And also, along with that, which is what I was trying to fit into the question. I'm dealing with a lot of guilt about being a rubbish friend and rubbish daughter at the moment because I'm working all day, every day. I get up at seven, I write, I have meetings, I do gigs, I travel, I get back home at 2am and gigging every day because there's that fear that it'll dry up and People will realise that I'm not funny or I'm boring or I'm a fraud. So because I'm working that much, I never see my friends like ever. They joke, but they started coming to my gigs because I like well they said only time we'll get to see you and some of my friends are like when can I see you and I go um four weeks on Tuesday for two hours and Again, I want to be the best friend, the best daughter, but also the best comedian. And I think I'm starting to figure out that I can't be everything, but for me, who's always put friends and loved ones first, it's hard to go. Actually, I need to focus on my career, and that that's a lot of guilt. Yeah, but how how does that fit in with what you said in the beginning about you knowing that you're going to get big? Do you, need, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think that's why I put it off. 
Father, I feel it's because I knew that when it happened, that shit, I will be off not seeing anyone. But do you not think you can take a day off every once in a while? It's not going to dry mm. up. You know you're going to yeah. be big. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, no, I, I had a. It's, it's, what's difficult is yeah. that you're only three years in. Yeah. Because I think you have to do a lot of the work that most people would have done in the first five, ten years. That yeah. We we would we had time to do it because yeah. No one wanted us to do yeah. any, anything, so we were just doing these five minutes yeah. spots and have days off to do all of that stuff and to that figure out you know, the yeah the balance and stuff. But you have yeah. to do all of that. You have to be. Yeah. that much yeah. better at comedy within yeah. a very short period of time but I had a chat with uh, Mark Watson who's been going for what 10, 20 20 years or something yeah. and you know we were talking about how we're still I've been going for 10 years, 9 years now yeah. we were talking about how we're still trying to find the balance still yeah. trying to figure out yeah. you know still saying yes to too many things yeah. or yes to the wrong things mm. or uh, not really having a full idea of how to balance work, family, no. career, all yeah. those things. And I think it just takes so much time to yeah. reach a point when yeah. to figure that out. Yeah. I'm like I'm I, 17 years older in the yeah, game. Yeah, it's so hard. And then people say to me, like, how are you dating? And I go... No, I'm not sleeping, like, I got no brain capacity for any of that, so maybe that should be my next thing going, right, stop taking that gig. When you're gonna be paid 40 quid, you can do with a night off. Um, but yeah, it's hard to let go. Yeah, it's also hard, like the idea of dating and then having to oh. say, yeah, oh yeah, four, four weeks on Tuesday yeah, for an hour exactly, at 9am, because exactly, that's when I have time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you in touch with my manager, he can fill yeah, you into my diary. Yeah, right, right now, I will be the worst girlfriend in the world, because I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm just going on the road for two weeks and then I'm filming it and then I'm writing it. And I'll be in Edinburgh for a month, yeah, don't speak to yeah. me. <laughs> I'll see you in winter. <laughs> <laughs> but you, do you not, am I wrong? So do you have a podcast where you're trying to find... No, no, not. Uh, we're trying, but then let's talk about maybe making it into a TV show, so it's on hold oh. at the moment. Because that was when you were saying that, I was thinking, oh, maybe that, maybe you're doing yeah. that thing which I basically do with all my projects, which is. I'd love to hang out with that person. Yeah. So let's do something work That's together so we have an excuse to hang yeah. out. 
Yeah. And I can see that working with like a dating thing. Like, yeah. I'd like to date, but I don't have time. Mm. But maybe if I somehow. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's someone pays me. <laughs> yeah, I could take out two hours of my yeah. day uh, yeah. to, to be paid to yeah. date. Yeah. <laughs> But um, what's your uh, what's your what's your type? What are you looking for? So then yeah. maybe my listeners will be yeah. like, oh, yeah, my dream well, is um, to only see my girlfriend for yeah. once every other yeah. month. Yes, I um I don't think I have a type. I just love because that makes me laugh. I think fat. Friend, I usually go for more feminine types, and um, but also it's this tricky thing at the moment where I do get chatted up after gigs by like. Hot girls, and it's amazing. <laughs> but part of me, I think the doubt in my mind um, is a bit like, oh, do you like me for the right reasons? Or do you like the idea of me that? And I find that very hard. I'm on Tinder and a few people open the conversation with, are you that comedian? And it makes me go, oh, yeah. that's a bit yucky. Yeah. Um, I had a gig in London a few weeks ago where I did quite well and um, it was like a movie, like I had like four or five really attractive women gathered around me and they were saying all the right things. They were like, you're amazing. One said, oh, I got such a crush on you. And I've a fellow comedian who I had a little crush on came up to me and said, I just want to let you know that I saw, saw your performance and I thought you were shit. Like joking. Great. And Good. she. <laughs> She just walked away and I was like, that is so cool. I want that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want my ego massage. I want someone to tell me I'm shit and then just to glide away. <laughs> I dated one of one of those. The, yeah. the, the, the 
I mean, I feel really bad calling him a fan. Yeah. <laughs> One of those coming yeah. out to me after a gig and was really good looking and saying all the right yeah. things. But that it did end up being like there was a moment of me saying, "Wait, what? What are you? Yeah. What? What do you? Who do you think I am? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not yeah me. I'm yeah. not that person. And I, they were like, "But I saw you on stage and you said yeah. these things." And I'm like. Yeah, and this, I mean, it's its a part of, but it's, no, <laughs> that, no, that's not the full image of who I am, and yeah. a lot of other things, and I, I think there's such a, and it's weird, like, I can talk, I can be, like, horrendous on stage, and people will still yeah. be like, so cute, I'm like, no, I'm, I have fat cheeks, that's not me being cute, like, I'm, like, on stage being yeah. quite cruel about yeah. things, people are like, oh adorable yeah. adopt so adorable yeah. I'm like no no I need someone who's like there was once a guy who said to me um, I just want to save you and I was like oh no. go, go fuck Ooh. yourself and then I texted Ooh. an ex and I, it was like 3am and I was like really upset about this so I texted an ex and said am I am I weak like do I need saving and then he texted me back you're fucking Rambo and I was like that's what I want I want that one the one, the one who is like, you're a fucking cunt it. and you're horrible, and I love yes. you. Like, yes, you get me. Yeah, that's what I want, and I think I'm ashamed that I do have this persona on stage, which is like I'm a dickhead, give a shit. And it's not a character. It is it, a part of me, but that is a part of me that is ramped up for the stage. And there are other parts of me, like the part of me that sat in my hotel room on Sunday night doing a crossword book and eating a load of supplements. Like, I know um, someone gets to know me because I'll always say, you're a grandma, you're a... 80-year-old woman in a 28-year-old body. Like, there's nothing I love more than a jigsaw. But, like, I don't say that on, on stage. So, um, I'm a bit like, I'm flat. But you, you are currently attracted to five percent of me. Is there a part of you, and this is just me projecting um, <laughs> my own issues? When, because I'm a perfectionist myself, is there a part of you when people are like, 
you're amazing. That wants to be like, no, no then you've not understood what I'm doing. That because I, I have a yes. list of all of the problems yes. I have. And, you know, that middle joke was yes. too, like, I could do better than that. That other joke didn't get a big enough yeah. laugh. If you think this is perfect, yeah. then you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, that shit, that shit. And, and also, I find it's hard to put into words because you need to know that I I love who I am and I'm confident in who I am. But that girl that over week who said I got such a crush on you. It was my instinct to go, well, what's your problem? Because <laughs> you're weird if you like me, because I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's also so uh, contradictory to everything else you've said yeah because first of all you're saying you want someone who calls you a piece of shit yeah you know but you're also saying that you're great like you're confident in who you are like yeah do you know what i mean like you want a dickhead yeah so of course they want a dickhead too yeah it's more oh, feel oh do you think yeah. it's oh do you think it's more a feeling of oh no you're gonna find out yeah like oh yeah i'm gonna disappoint you yeah oh maybe my biggest worry in life, in love and friendships in my career, my greatest fear is that people will realise I'm boring. Oh. Does that make sense? <sighs> but are you boring? I mean, are you boring I to the people who... Are you? I, I think so. I I'm not into jigsaws. Yeah. Uh, it makes me annoyed. It makes me annoyed. <laughs> it makes me annoyed. I can't do it. This just annoys me. But um, I like being home in yeah. bed, not going out. And yeah. I, sometimes I'll have audience members come up to me after shows and be like, "We love this show," and I'll be like, "Thank you." And then I was in my head, I'm going, "Oh, they get it." And yeah. then they go, "Do you want to go for cocktails?" And I'm like, "No." no. What do you have? You not just watched my show? <laughs> like I obviously don't want to go up. Who, who do you think I am? Yeah. But, and I, to people like that, people who, you know, know how to do life, people who yeah. go out for drinks on a Saturday. Yeah. I'm, I always feel a bit like, oh, I don't want to do that. So I'm, no. but I don't know if boring is the word or if it's just like, I, no, no. I mean, I feel I like lectures are amazing. Lectures are favorite for me. I don't know what it is because I love a drink. I love going to for cocktails. I love having a dance. But I do need a lot of time in my, on my own. I have a lot of time playing Candy Crush. <laughs> I'm the only person in that entire world still playing Candy Crush. <laughs> like, seriously, I'm on like level 4,000. <laughs> it's 
insane. <laughs> and um, I just worry that if anyone saw that side of me, they go, oh, she's, she loves her crotchworth. <laughs> She loves her candy crush and I worry that they would be disappointed that I'm not this party, happy, like, always up person. But no one is. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, if they are, they, something's wrong. They're, fl- they're, they're running yeah. away from something. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. I think I think it's just we, we just don't see those parts of. I was I was thinking about it the other day. I was in my kitchen and I wanted to take like a picture of what I was doing in the kitchen. And I, my first thought was, oh no, it doesn't look like cheerful. People will think, yeah. why are you doing this? And you. And then I thought, oh my god, like that's that like what we see social yeah, media and yeah, everything else yeah they cut out all the yeah, boring yeah. even like love island you don't see the bits where you don't yeah. see the boring hour where they're just cleaning up or just yeah you know, yeah you know we see all the drama the beautiful things the dancing yeah da, 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 da. yeah and that i think that's the same with social media with everything no one no one puts up a photo yeah. of them doing uh the candy crush in that bed on a it. sunday yeah like i love social media I post a lot and then it was the other day I was feeling down so I got a foot long subway I got two big packets of pickled onion munch and munch and then sat in my pants and just cried because <laughs> I needed a cry and I thought well this is for me this isn't for Instagram and but I think I got a deal with a lot because at the moment, I would find it hard for even a partner to see me mm. like that, being vulnerable, because I want to be that upbeat, positive person for everyone. And again, I'm putting too much on my shoulders. Yeah, I'm trying to... I mean, do you think that's like residue from having to... Do you know when we talked about like uh, your friends seeing your reality and yeah. what it's like? Is it like a residue of not wanting people to... Not wanting to give them an excuse to feel mm. bad? Yeah. Or like not wanting to give them an excuse to think that you're not okay? Yeah. Do you yeah. know, like, you, you know, sometimes you yeah. don't want to be like, shit. actually, I'm not okay right now. Yeah. Because then you don't want yeah. them to be all yeah. tense on your behalf. Yeah. That shit. And uh, 
So get me wrong, I got amazing friends and I they're so great but if I don't know who I will go to to say I'm not okay because mm. <laughs> I think when I'm not okay, I, I, I want to deal with it myself because I, I, I know they're joking and I know it when I'm not really upset, but on the rare occasions that I am angry or I cry and my friends see that, they look more upset than me and they say to me, oh God, it's like seeing a sad puppy like I never seen it say to you and they're all frantic they're like I don't know what to do like we're broken Rosie <laughs> like we're broken the happiest person in the world and I need to make it clear that I am so happy 98% of the time and I've slowly realised that for those 2% of the time what's easiest for everyone is that I deal with it myself because nobody wants to see a sad Rosie. I see what you mean, and I'm this. I'm the same, so I can't be in any way yeah. high and mighty about it. But I think, I think what we need to do is be okay with being, like, we need to be okay with taking yeah. that space. We need yeah. to be okay with yeah. people being sad because we're sad. If it was you saying that, I would say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But, but we also both know that. Yeah. We're going to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go home and say hello. But I feel like I don't want anyone thinking, oh, she's secretly sad all the time. But also, some, sometimes people are. It's like in yeah. a natural human way, I imagine, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, just um, sometimes things are a bit shit. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Life is fucking hard. Yeah. sometimes need to stick. I, I told my therapist the other, uh, yesterday that I had a cry, and she was like, oh, was it... Um, she had two phrases. Is it cathart- cathartic, or yeah. were you processing something? And oh, I was like, oh, I didn't wow. know there were different types of crying. Yeah. And she was like, well, if, um, if you were crying without feeling sad, then it's cathartic so you're just wow. kind of opening like a vessel going to pfft. yeah so you're like <laughs> i'm crying yeah. i don't know really why i'm yeah. crying and then if you're feeling all the pain yeah you're processing right. so like any kind of 
trauma, oh, whatever. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, mine was hey. um, mine was processing. Yeah, <laughs> which I feel yeah. is better than the other one because I feel yeah. like the other one is like a waste of crying. I, I like processing. Like I'm like, oh I watch process Yeah, I like those ones. They're my favorite yeah. ones. My favorite cries. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that was what I wanted to say from my question. <laughs> it was how to put all that in one question. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad that I got it all out of you with yeah. my incredible interview techniques. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Um, before I ask the... Oh, let me see. So I want to ask you so many more things, but we're running out of time. So I'm either going to ask you a big question. No, we're going to just have to do a part two at some point. Um, <laughs> I just decided... In, Tuesday in yes. four weeks. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to ask the last question that I always ask. So, okay, imagine this. Yeah. You're in the delivery room and yeah. you have just been born. Yeah. And you're there now, right? As yeah. you. And you're holding between your tiny Rosie as a baby. Rosie has just been born. Rosie's terrified because yeah. she, she was just in the womb and everything was like fine and dark and oh, all nice and warm. Yeah. And now it's all bright and white and there's lights everywhere and it's terrifying and she's looking at you like is this it is this what life's gonna be like is this gonna be all bright lights and sounds this is awful and so she's crying she's scared she's looking at you and um for a moment you can say something to her yeah you can't tell her to do anything you can't give her any kind of advice you can't um make her change anything in her life because yeah. everything will still happen exactly the way it yeah. has happened now but for a moment you can say to her this is what life's going to be like up until the, what did you say, 29? 29 soon. Uh, yeah. Um, so you can say something to her about what life is going to be like. And yeah. it doesn't have to be positive. You can say whatever you want to teeny tiny. What would you say to teeny tiny baby you? Oh, she's so cute. Um, I may not feel like it's cliche, but life is full of love. And I really feel that in my life. I am so lucky to have a mum and a dad who supported me throughout my life. And I've always been a stubborn bugger, so it was always me saying, I want to do this, I want to go to uni, I want to work in TV, I want to be a comedian. And I feel like my mum and dad were offers together every step of the way and they were always saying yes yeah you can do whatever you want to do and they they never for one second said 
Why, Emily? That'll be a bit hard for you when you're always found a way round it. And I think I'm here right now. I'm doing a job I love because of the love and the support I've had from them. So, teeny tiny baby Rosie, you're gonna do alright because you got the best parents in the world. That's wonderful. <laughs> Usually, I would say, do you still need to be told that? But it doesn't no, sound, yeah, it sounds no, like you know, you're aware. No, <laughs> yes, they're alright. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Where can people find you? Social media? Ever? Yeah, yeah. On um, Instagram and Twitter at Josie Rones, which is a spoonerism. <laughs> um, and then my website is Comedian Rosie Jones. Because there's another Rosie Jones. Oh. How dare she? But <laughs> I'm a comedy one. And you're in Russia? Oh, yeah, it's Edinburgh. I'm going to Edinburgh this year with my show called Backward. And it's at the Pleasance courtyard every day at 7pm. Oh, we clash. That's so annoying. What time are you? Seven. Oh, the best (laughs) people are at seven. Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, anything else, anything more you want to plug? People just will find you on the website. They'll see. It's been so lovely. Thank you so much for doing it. It's been wonderful. We'll do a part two, I'm thinking. Yeah. In Anbra, maybe? maybe yes! Yeah, let's I do it. love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Be a, a, a doll. I was about to say, be a doll. Who am I? Curtis from Love Island. Am I right? Um... <laughs> Be a doll and um, and go and find Rosie on social media and tell her thank you for being on the podcast if you enjoyed it, which I know you did because she's incredible. And I will make sure we get to do a second part, to, <clears throat> a second part, a second episode uh, very soon because we had so much more to talk about, so much more to talk about. So yeah, maybe if you, if you can hear in the background, my neighbor is still vacuuming. And she's getting closer and closer to the wall on the other side of which I am. So I do apologize for that. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. You are being absolute sweethearts. As I said, there won't be an extra snippet of Rosie Jones on the Patreon side. But there is with all the other guests. So you can go back, I think, oh, it must be a lot now. 10, 20 maybe. Uh, snippets from the past 10 20 guests so and if you're not signed up for patreon yet why not do it patreon.com forward slash mopod m-o-h-p-o-d you go in you decide how much you want to give per episode it could be a dollar it could be 
$3, it could be $10, whatever it is. At the end of the month, it will automatically deduct uh, it from your account and everything will be fine. It's safe and everything. And uh, then you get to support the podcast. And here's the thing. If you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning that at the end of every episode, I butcher your name. Now, you can choose to not have this, by the way. You can change your name to something completely different, or you can you can still donate $5 per episode without having your name said out loud. Just wanted to make that very clear. But these absolute heroes have chosen to have their name uh, p- bravely in the, the public eye. I don't know what I'm saying. But I do want to say a massive, huge thank you to the friends of the podcast, which at the time of me recording this are... Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker, Ashley Salmon, Awesome Blue Sky, Barry Norton, Caitlin, Cat Posse, Cherry Winter, Claire McCowlin, Connor O'Donovan, Danny Becker, Daniel Reifersheet, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Fenelodon, Privacy, Soros, Aurora, Teratops, Fiona Richardson, Hannah Rose Tristram, uh, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minnett, uh, Heather Watson, Ida Sokolarsen, Janie Mahoney, Joe C., Kathleen Goodmanson, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelson, Casey David, Travis, um, Ken Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Queen C., Lillian Harry French, M. Dash, Mari Fraser, Mansour Mir, Marketsa Dubalova, Dubalova, Megan Roberts, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Fene, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, the Rachels, the winners, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa. Oh, and then we have the Sarahs, also winners. Sarah Ferrer, Igerseth, Sarah Allard, and Sarah Plumer, and Susie Tyler and Victoria Layton. You can also give one-off donations, by the way, if you go to madeofhumanpodcast.com if you want. But you know what? I just really want you to come to my shows and buy my book and um, also just, you know, have a great time and listen to the podcast and share it. There's also loads of free ways that you can... <laughs> you can free. It didn't say three. Loads of free free ways that you can support the podcast and I know you do and I'm so happy on the tour it's been amazing to meet you and um, you've been so nice about the podcast and I love you all very very much I want to say thank you to you I want to say thank you to Rosie Jones for doing the podcast I want to say thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode to Kitty Edgar for doing the admin to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo and thank you to uh, Soho Theatre for letting me record some episodes there I will speak to you very soon okay bye Low power.